It's great to see everybody this morning. Hope you're doing well. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Um, we have been continuing to go through our study in the, in the book of Acts, titled You Will Be. And this is our last You Will Be statement. And we'll flesh this out over the next uh, four weeks, starting with today. And so I want to remind you of the verse that sort of gives foundation to our study. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That verse has served us in terms of letting us know exactly who are we and who are we going to be, giving our marching orders as a New Testament church. To quote the great theologian Ben Parker, who is the uncle of Peter, and he said that with great power, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm not trying to like, I feel like that I'm talking about Spider-Man right now and you know that and I feel in my deep in my heart that I need to have a moment of silence. And for you Avenger fans, you know what I'm talking about, okay? So I'm not trying to be ruining things for you, but I'm a little upset about this, okay? For you Avenger fans, you, do, you just, just watch the movie or Google that later. But Spider-Man Spider basically was told that with great power comes great responsibility. We know that the God in heaven sent the Holy Spirit down in us to do something extraordinary. Something that we could not do in and of ourselves. That's to make much of Jesus in the nations. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That Holy Spirit is what guides us, what shows us, what to say, where to go, who to talk to. It is that statement that we arrive at where it says, you will be on mission, which is our last one in our series. You will be on mission. God's desire is for people to know him and for you and I to tell them. That's what God's desire is. That's what the book of Acts is teaching us, that the church exploded radically across the world. We know the gospel because of people bringing the message to the uttermost parts of the world. And so Acts chapter 10 is talking about an individual, his name is Peter, who was on mission. And we're going to look at his life. There's 48 verses in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 11, it's talking about the church when the Holy Spirit came among the Gentile believers. And the gospel for the Gentiles and how that church responded. And so next week, we'll talk about the church being on mission. This week, we're going to talk about and take a look at what does it look like for us as individuals to be on mission, looking at the life of Peter. Acts chapter 10 jumps in very quickly with this guy named Cornelius. Maybe you've heard of him before or not heard of him before, but this guy Cornelius is, is if you just want to think, PhD. He's from the Italian cohort. He is a centurion. He is a Gentile that is largely respected by the Jewish population. He is in his house, um, and the angel of the Lord comes to him. What it's, told, what it's told in Acts chapter 10 about who Cornelius is, is he is a man who prayed often. He gave to the poor. He was generous. He was religious. And that is radically different than having a relationship with Jesus. Radically different. So an angel comes to him and tells him, hey, Cornelius, and he said it in his very Italian, what you doing, Lord? Okay, that was, that was, that was my attempt. I was in New York last week, okay? 
I, I felt like the Italian was coming out in me and I failed miserably at that. But you can see, he's from the Italian cohort and he looks at the Lord and the Lord's like, this angel comes to him and says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take men and I want you to send them to this place called Joppa. They're gonna find a guy, his name is Simon. We call him, we call, we call him Peter, he's a tanner. I want you to get him and I want you in your, I want your men to bring him back to you. So Cornelius, the text says in verses chapter 10, one through eight, says that's what he does. He gets two men in his army and says, I want you to go to Joppa. I want you to tell you, this is what the angel said. I want you to go to this place called Joppa. You're gonna be looking for this guy named Simon. We call him Peter. And I want you to go find him and I want you to bring him back. And so his guys say, sure, okay, we're going. The story then changes to this individual named Peter. We know Peter, he has preached hundreds of times and all of a sudden we're seeing him in Acts chapter four and Acts chapter three and he's preaching and thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ. This is in the Jerusalem area. These are Jews that are coming to faith in Christ. And then all of a sudden, Peter is in the city and he's sitting here, he's in Joppa. The Lord takes him up to a roof and says, and he's going to pray up on the roof. He gets hungry and there's a vision that comes to him and the vision really, really confuses him. It's a different type of vision. If you want to think of who Peter is, and Peter is a fisherman. He is a faithful follower of Jesus. And then we have a PhD in Cornelius. And so then we go to the vision. Well, what does the vision mean? In chapter 10, verses 11, this is what it says. This is the vision that Peter has from the Lord. And here's what it says in verse 11. And saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and the birds of the air. Verse 13 says, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14 says, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have not eaten, never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. Verse 16 This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So here is a vision that comes to Peter uh, as he is sitting there on the roof of his house. He has this vision, and it's really, really perplexed, because you have to understand that the Jewish people had regulations of what they could and could not eat. Now, yes, Peter had surrendered his life to faith in Jesus, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and he was following Jesus. But Peter was a Jew. And so some of the baggage of being in that system, that religious system, distracted him from really going forward. We all have baggage, don't we? Peter comes here and says, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is unclean because it would be wrong for a Jew to eat such things. And he comes to him and says, I want you to kill and I want you to eat. And Peter says, no, not a chance. And sometimes, I don't think we realize the magnitude that for 1,400 years, the Jews were not eating things like Peter was told to eat. And he didn't quite understand all of the meaning. But then someone knocked on the door. It's two men from Cornelius' army. Peter comes down, says, you're the man that, you're, I am the man that you were looking for. Then Peter gathers with those two guys and they go and they see Cornelius. And in verse 25, this is what it says of Acts chapter 10. Verse 25, it says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. 
Then in verse 33, I want to direct your attention to verse 33. Here is Cornelius. He's gathered his entire household to listen to this man named Peter because that's what the Lord said. In verse 33, it says this. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we, notice the we, again, he got his whole household together, are all here in the presence of God to do what? To hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord And so there's three points that I want to make this morning about the mission of God and your involvement in the mission of God. There's three things that I want to say. First and foremost, being on mission involves knowing there are people who want to hear the gospel. Listen, we can sit there and say, well, there's a school shooting. There was another one this week. And there is this shooting. There is someone getting their house being robbed or someone burning a house down or all kinds of depravity that's going on in the world. But I don't want you to miss that there is a man named Cornelius who's wanting to know who Jesus is. And there is a Cornelius in your life. And I don't want you to miss the privilege and the honor of God supernaturally directing you to him or her. Cornelius is sitting here and he's, like I said earlier, he's religious. And it is God who woos everybody. Salvation begins and ends with God. It is God who woos us to himself. But in supernaturally, how God does this is he puts the two parts together. He gets Cornelius to ask some questions. He gets Peter to say, yes, I'll go. And we see them meeting. I um, was uh, planting a church, obviously when we were doing the Creek Church before we came on staff at Northwest uh, five, a little over five years ago. Um, we were starting meeting in 2008. We were meeting at Carpenter Elementary School. Uh, it was that summer that we had a, a, a young college um, worship leader. And he and I were meeting to talk about our service, our first service at the church um, for what was called the Creek Church, church I was pastoring at that time. And so we're at the Amberley Clubhouse. Some of you may live there. The Amberley Clubhouse has this massive swimming pool. The swimming pool has on the second floor, on the second floor overlooking the swimming pool, there's this deck. I was sitting outside with my friend Graham. We're sitting there and we're talking about the songs, the message, and how they're gonna connect together. We were praying for the service. And then all of a sudden, a lady from India comes walking out of the door. She opens the door, comes out, and says, I have been praying and asking that God would bring me to somebody who would tell me about him. I have heard you talking about Jesus, and I want to know if you, in your humility, will tell me about who he is. I would love to sit here and tell you that her whole family came to faith in Christ, but I will tell you this that it was an unbelievable experience to be able to sit there and recognize and realize when I'm going through this this week, talking about Cornelius, that there are people in the world that want to know who he is. And if we're going to be on mission with him, we have to remember not to get apathetic because of the depravity that's in the world that robs us of knowing that there are Corneliuses all around the world who want to know. There are Corneliuses everywhere. Shivani was her name. We did a backyard Bible club. She brought her kids. She came to the church a couple of times. All I can testify and tell you what we did is we told her about Jesus. That's what we did because that's what we're supposed to do. Whether she gave her life to the Lord, I don't know. That's what the Lord does. My point is really to, to, rec- to help you to recognize that when we're on, being on mission involves us knowing that there are people who want to hear the gospel 
We might sit there and say, oh, I, this is going on and this is going on and this is happening and this is happening. Let's not get distracted or apathetic in knowing that there are people in the world who are desperately wanting to know who he is. Number two, being on mission involves using words, not just action. So here it comes down. Cornelius says, hey, in verse 33, he says, Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so Peter stands up and says, Well, I'd just like for you to look at my life. No, that's not what he does. That's not at all what he does. Because the lie to us today is share, share the gospel and when necessary, use words. And that's not a good statement, folks. Peter is representing and talking and saying, hey, listen, I'm given an opportunity. Cornelius has got his whole family sitting here. And the first verse in verse 34, it says, and Peter said, it says Peter opened his mouth and said, he talked to them. He didn't just use actions. Obviously, what we don't want to do is we don't want to contradict our words by the way that we live. But here's what happens. It comes down that, that Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I'm encouraging you that if you want to be on mission for God, then let's talk about him. Being on mission involves using words, not just action. Look at Peter's message when he comes down here. Verse 36, I'm gonna read this for you. It's his message. It's absolutely beautiful. As for the world that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Verse 37, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging on a tree. Verse 40, don't miss it. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to those who had been chosen by God as witnesses. It was, you witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. Now you're being sent out to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. That's what he's mentioning. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And verse 43. To him, all the prophets bear witness and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Action steps. You're sitting here right now. Matt, if there's a Cornelius that comes into my life and looks at me and says, I brought my whole family, I want you to tell us right now what in the world I need to do in order to have a relationship with Jesus. And some of you right now are going, Mmm. And I want to say, I'm going to give you an episode. Go home. Set up yourself on this account with Right Now Media. There are so many classes or just like a study that you can take to help you understand how you can communicate when given that opportunity. You have a story of being saved by Jesus. Just tell your story and testify to his goodness. He's a good God and he deserves our words to praise him and to talk about him. And Peter is stepping up to the plate to do just that. The most beautiful thing in the entire story is that Cornelius has got his whole entire family and his whole entire family came to faith in Christ 
And in verse 48, it says they all got baptized right then and there. The last thing I want you to see before we come to the table that I hope will help us really, really understand um, where we are in the text is that being on mission recognizes the gospel is for all people. I know it's, it's really simple, but it's something that we must, must clearly, clearly understand. Peter sees this glorious message for this for the nations. And so you're going back to the question, well, how in the world do we see that? What does this, this food and this sheet and all of this took place, what does it mean? Here's what John Piper says. He says this, in other words, with the coming of Jesus into the world and with the final cleansing sacrifice of Christ now offered and with the command to take the gospel to all ethnic groups in the world now given, the old ceremonial laws about foods are lifted and that barrier to the Gentile world is removed. And so Peter's vision has two points. The food laws are fulfilled and ended with Jesus. Mark 7 and 19. And the people, they kept you separate from the nations, the Gentiles, the Muslims, are not to be considered uncommon or unclean. This was a mistake in the book of Galatians because the book of Galatians basically was founded upon Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And then we had these folks called the Judaizers come in and what they were saying is, hey Gentiles, if you want to be a fully dedicated follower of God, then you need to, be, you need to have this food, this food, circumcised, and all these kind of things. They said Jesus plus a bunch of things equals everything. And Paul is writing to the, to the churches in Galatia saying, don't mess up with this message. Don't compromise this message. Don't add to it. It is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And here's what we see right here is that Peter is realizing in his own life that he's bringing some baggage into the message. And it's here in verse 34 that he goes and he says this, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, here it is, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable in to him. That does not mean that everybody's going to be saved or universalism, that's not what that verse is saying. It's saying that you can be accepted when you have faith and forgiveness of sins that's only found in Christ. Verse 36, this is the word all that's found out in Peter's sermon. Verse 36, he says, Jesus is Lord of all. In verse 38, it says, Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil, which includes Gentiles, tax collectors, and even Roman soldiers and prostitutes. In verse 43, it says, to him, all the prophets, every single one of the prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets, all in the Bible, all of them, Bear witness that all who believe in him receive forgiveness of sins through his name. And John 3.16, church, which you memorized when you were a little, little person. Which says that for God so loved the world. And so here what we're saying here is this, is that being on mission recognizes that the gospel is for all people. And so we recognize that Cornelius is a PhD, is the gospel for him, yes. The gospel is for a fisherman named Peter and the gospel is for the Muslim that lives next to you and for the Jew that might live across your street. It's for the English-speaking person in your neighborhood and the non-English-speaking person that you run into around town. It is for the bad driver in front of you and even the Duke fan. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Being on mission recognizes that the gospel is for all people. And folks, I want you to know something right now. If we're going to be a church that is on mission, we must be individuals that are on mission. Yeah. 
Peter was ready to go and do as the Lord had instructed him to do. I ask you a question, who is the Cornelius in your circle? Who is the Cornelius in your circle? Chris Green, a pastor in Durham said this, man has one problem, it is sin. There's one savior, it is Jesus. We're all part of one race, that is the human race, amen? And we have one hope, and that is the resurrection of King Jesus. And we get to gather together and collectively proclaim that there is forgiveness, there is hope, there is purpose, and no one else but King Jesus. We get to sit around this table, we get to be reminded of when we took our step of faith and said, yes, I took a step of faith, I placed my faith in Jesus, and this table is open to you. You see, the table right here, what it represents is it represents, and it is for those who have said yes to faith in Jesus alone. Maybe some of you right now are not ready. You haven't made that step yet. We pray that you will. We pray that you would reach out to one of us on staff to talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. We'd, we'd love to talk to you about what that means. There's gonna be verses on the screen for those of you that before you take and after you take, you can reflect on these verses that talk about the God that we serve to remind you in your heart of who he is, what he came to do, to encourage you in your relationship with him. But for those of you that maybe, hey, you're not ready yet, you're not gonna come to the table, you don't have a relationship with Christ, and I'm gonna say, hey, just, there's some verses on the screen, we'd encourage you just to read those while you're sitting there. We ask that God would use those verse, verses to encourage you, open your eyes to who Jesus is. You will be on mission um, when we know that there are people who want to hear the gospel. Being on mission involves speaking with words and not just actions, and being on mission recognizes the gospel is for all. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to pray for us, and while I'm praying, I'm going to ask those that are serving the elements to go ahead and make their way to the table. And I'm going to come down front and I'm going to give you a little while, maybe two or three minutes, just to make sure your heart is in the right place. Verses are on the screen. Scott's going to be playing. We want to celebrate with each other the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That we indeed have a message to be able to share. That we have a mission to participate in. That we have something to do that is so much bigger than ourselves and we have the spirit that allows us to accomplish, accomplish that. We want at this time to just be a time of reflection on what Jesus Christ did for us. He died, he was buried, and praise God, he rose again. Let's pray about that right now. God, thank you for the time that we have and the time we're getting ready to have. As we come towards the table, use the next couple of minutes to help us get our hearts ready to hear from you, to respond to you, to be in a place where, God, we can take these elements and remember exactly what you did. We're grateful for who you are. So use this time to help get us ready. In Jesus' name.